Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Um, let me give you a, a, a tip. Um, I, I've had people ask me things. They've said, like, how do you get the messages you get? Like, where, where are you getting that? And um, the way I get the messages is I read the Bible. So reading the Bible is pretty much like the key, okay? So if, if you want to live for God and you want to live for God well, you need to read your Bible, I'm already preaching. You don't even know it. Because here's the deal. If you think that just coming to church on Sunday and, like, hearing whatever I have to say is the same thing as reading the Word of God for yourself, it's not the same thing. Okay? Um, Really, there's two goals I have for this church. One one is that everybody know how to pray and that they'd read their Bibles. (laughs) Like, if you pray and read your Bible, I would be a happy pastor. Um, Reading reading the Bible has been uh, just a discipline of mine growing up. I've always just... Um, I grew up in a home where that's kind of what you did. Um, it was either that or the dictionary as a kid. It was like, anybody else have an encyclopedia set when you grew up? Uh, anybody not know what an encyclopedia set is? I'm sure there's, you mean Google? Yes, it's the same, same thing as Google. Um, I guess Wikipedia is the new encyclopedia, right? It's pretty much the same. Um, but we would read, and the way I would track my reading when I was younger is we had these little bookmarks. They were called bread charts. So it was all the chapters in the Bible, and it was bread. Bible reading enriches any day. <laughs> this is so corny. Um, and so we would read through the Bible with these charts. Um, and right now, there's really no excuse not to read your Bible. There's a church in Oklahoma called Life Church that has, as part of their mission statement, is they want to be the most generous church in the world. And one of the ways they've done that is they've hired... Uh, a ton of staff to build an app called Uversion. Does anybody, did anybody download Uversion on your phone? See, I'm not surprised so many of you have because Uversion rivals Twitter and Instagram for downloads. Like, it's huge. It's huge. And, um, and so if you like to read digitally, it's a great way. They've got plans on there you can read it. Personally, I'm not a fan of reading digital. I like paper. Um, but what I love about Uversion is I can download the, the, the thing and I can play audio. So while I'm driving, I can listen to the Bible. While I'm working in the garage, I can listen to the Bible. So I want to encourage you. Something around here, if you're a paper Bible person, uh, something we bought this year for everybody that wants them is, uh, this is called the Moravian Daily Text. No, this does not mean we are a Moravian church. What it means is the Moravian church has been doing something since the 1700s called a daily reading of scripture, and I think that's amazing, and I love being a part of something that has that rich of a history. So, um, so I read this through daily, and this, if you read this, you'll go through the Bible in two years. Um, we'll let the overachievers do it in a year, but stick with me, we'll do it too. <laughs> so, 
Um, so go get this. It's free out there. It probably shouldn't be free because it cost a lot of money and a lot of you didn't get them yet. So you better go get them so we didn't waste our money. <clears throat> Very good. In reading the Bible as a, as a young guy, uh, I, I would start in Genesis a lot. Like every January, I'd start in Genesis. Anybody else do that? Okay. You read through and you kind of find your stories and stuff. And really, I have two, especially when I was younger, there was two favorite books of the Bible. They were Joshua and Judges. I loved those growing up. When I was a teenager, I just loved the, honestly, like it's not spiritual. I just loved the violence of them. <laughs> like they're so violent. And, uh, and they're crazy. Like you read those stories and you're like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, that's in the Bible. Um, and I just, I loved it. I, I would say this. If you're trying to learn how to read the Bible and it seems boring to you, then you need to go to like Joshua and Judges. And it won't be boring. You'll be shocked at, uh, at how crazy it is. Um, but there's this, this interesting passage at the very end of Joshua. It's Joshua chapter 24. And um, it seems as though it's like the, the end of the Lord of the Rings. And he's wrapping up all the loose ends. It feels like the end of an epic. And, and all the things that need to be said at the end of the story are being said. It's really cool because in this last passage, it's a whole book about the conquest of the children of Israel. And in this last passage, it says things like this, uh, that, that what really happened was God drove the enemy out with hornets and we just walked in. Which is really cool because the whole book is about the effort they did and yet they recognized that it really wasn't about their effort at all. It was about God displacing things to set them in, in the right place where he wanted them to be. But it ends, so, so it does all this, it's amazing what God did, what God did, you know, all the stuff that he did, and, and we were just kind of along for the ride. And then it says this one verse, this is the second to last verse in the whole book of Joshua, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even fit in the place. It says this in verse 32, it says, as for the bones of Joseph which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of money. And it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joshua, of Joseph, sorry. It became a, 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 an inheritance for the descendants of Joseph. This is really interesting. The book is about Joshua and the children of Israel, and then all of a sudden he says, oh, by the way, we've kept the bones of a guy who died 480 years ago, and, uh, and now we're finally burying him. And somebody might say, well, why would they do that? Well, this is why we read our Bible, because it tells us. In Genesis chapter 50, we see Joseph Joseph is the one who had a coat of many colors, and he became prime minister of all of Egypt. God did a lot of cool things through him. And at the very end of his life, Joseph says this in, chapter, in Genesis 50, verse 24. It says, and Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. 
400 years after he makes them promise that they would take his bones out of Egypt, we see Moses coming on the scene. And Moses has this battle back and forth with Pharaoh about taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. And when Moses is finally leaving the land of Egypt, it says this in Exodus 13, 400 years later, it says, uh, Exodus 13, 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. This guy, Joseph, was interesting because he, he lived a life of faith. He lived a life that was dedicated to God, and, and he wasn't willing to just let things happen that he didn't see happen. Let me say it like this. Joseph had FOMO. This means fear of missing out. Joseph was a guy, he, he, he was afraid to miss out on what God was doing. Uh, this is why I love the church so much. I, love, I, like, I hate missing a church service because I don't ever want to miss what God is doing in someone else's life. Like there's days when I feel like I don't need it, I'm good. But I, I'm always wanting to see what God will do. Like because when, when you're around the household of faith, you see like God, you know, restore a marriage. Like it wasn't my marriage, but I didn't miss out on, on God deliver somebody from an addiction. And, and I get to be a part of like, like this fear of missing out on the things of God. I think my dog has FOMO. That stupid dog. I, I spent money on this dog and it piddles. Like every other dog that I never spent any money on were good. And this one pees when it gets attention. It's like stupid dog. But this dog is like always like, hey, where are we going? <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to go chase birds? Are we going to go chase birds? Always like always looking for birds. What are we going to do? This morning, in fact, on my way to church, my son is getting in the car, and that stupid little dog is like, <laughs> like are we going in the track? Where, where are we going? We're, we're going in somewhere. And so I, my son, like, gracefully, like, uh, nudged her out from under the door and shut the truck door, and then I see her running around the truck looking for an opening, right? She's like, where are we going? We're, we're going to go somewhere. It's because dogs, they always feel like they're missing out on something. And I believe Joseph was the same way. Joseph is the kind of guy who lived this incredible life of faith that anyone in the room would have loved to have been a part of. And yet he's like, hold on, in 400 years when you leave the country, I'm coming with you because I don't want to miss out on all that God has. It's this idea that, that Joseph didn't just live by faith, he also died by faith. Like, at the end of the days, I want my life to be one of those, like, I want to die like my grandfather, just like peaceful and in my sleep. Not screaming and begging like the 40 other people in the bus he was driving. <laughs> the truth is this, is that the greatest act of faith that Joseph committed was at the end of his life. When he, he told the children of Israel, take my bones. I'm giving you instructions. My bones should point you somewhere. Because today may be important, but today will always point towards the future. Joseph instructed the children of Israel, and Moses and Joshua and the children of Israel for 400 years followed his instructions so that they could fulfill Joseph's desires. In, in, in fact, let me say it like this. What would be the greatest 
moment of faith in all of Joseph's life? Was it the moment he was a young man and he, he wore this coat of many colors and God gave him dreams and visions and he shared them with his family? Like, I don't know about you, but if God was sharing me dreams and visions, I would consider that a moment of faith. Uh, was it when he was put in a pit and, and he, he's taken out, sold into slavery, and he just trusts God, even going into slavery? And then and what would a moment of faith be when the man that owns him, his wife is trying to seduce Joseph, and, and he runs away, and, and she accuses him of attempted rape, and so he ends up in a prison. And in this prison, he's faithful to God. Like, that's a, that's a life of faith right there. Was it, when, was it when he interpreted dreams of, of people and, and got to meet the Pharaoh of all of Egypt? Is that a moment? Of, was it when he became the prime minister of the strongest country in the world? From slave to prime minister in one lifetime. Come on. And yet, I don't quite think that's the greatest moment of faith in his life. Because the writer of Hebrews has... In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, there's this portion we call uh, the Hall of Faith. It's where the writer of Hebrews selects great biblical characters and, and talks about the great faith they had in God. And when the writer of Hebrews talks about Joseph, doesn't talk about uh, you know, the great things that Joseph did. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. It says, by faith. Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Listen, the greatest moment of faith that Joseph ever had was when he looked beyond all that God had done in his life and he said, God is going to do something in the life of my children's children and I want to be there to see it. I'm telling somebody, like, maybe the greatest thing that could happen in your life isn't, isn't just you experiencing the goodness of God today, but it could be you planting some roots of faith in your life that your kids can hold on to, that your grandkids who aren't even thought of yet can hold on to, and you can see a generation that serves the Lord. It was this, this, this idea that he, he, these bones speak to the future. So what would, what, would the, what would the bones of, of Joseph really say? Because he, he leaves them instructions. The, the bones of Joseph are instructions for a future generation. What would they say? I think the first thing they say is this, that the promises of God are for every generation. The promises of God weren't just for Joseph when he was uh, somebody that was saving his people from, from famine. The promises of God weren't just for Joseph when he was a young man with great dreams. But the promises of God, Joseph expected that one day the promises of God would extend to great-grandchildren that he had never met yet. And there's a danger in our society where we struggle with this idea of faith. Struggle with the idea of promises of God. And, and I know, like, there's, there's a lot of, we live in a world that's sort of anti-faith, anti-faith, uh, anti anti-Christianity. But I don't think that's the greatest danger to the church. I don't think the greatest danger to the church is those outside of the church that struggle with faith. The greatest danger to the church 
is this mood that American Christians have allowed inside of our hearts that says that the promises of God were for yesterday. That say that the Holy Spirit outpouring was for yesterday. That say that God doing powerful things in my life, like that was for before. Like there's this, this, this idea that is, it seems logical, it seems biblical, but the truth is there's no real substance to it because the the, the the religious mind that says, no, uh, re- Christianity is just a, a mental thing. It's just thinking through philosophies. I'm telling you, that's a lie from Satan. That the promises of God that used to be are still available to you. What I'm saying is the scripture tells us God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever he was in the past, he'll be that today. And whatever he did in the past, he'll do it today. God doesn't change. He's not absent-minded. He is here for you. And in fact, it says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. It says, the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's right. Salvation is available to everybody. No, it's talking about a promise from God. It's not talking about salvation. Look at the verse before it. It says this. There we go. It says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying the promise of God's baptism of his Holy Spirit is for you. It's for every generation. It's not something that stops. It's not something that, that, that was for like the first generation of Christians. But the bones of Joseph tell us that the promises of God are for all generations. If God said he was going to do something, he's going to do it. In fact, I would say this, that what God did in the past is really a prophecy of what God will do in the future. I'm saying that, that if God healed bodies in the past, he'll heal bodies today. I'm saying that if God raised the dead in the past, God will raise the dead today. I'm saying that if God performed miracles in the past, it's a prophecy that he wants to perform miracles in the future. If God poured out his Holy Spirit in the past, he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit in the future because what God did in the past is prophetic of what God wants to do today. I just want to say that like what we're trying to do here is leave a church that says that the promises of God are for every generation. I'm saying like, like the promises of God are not just for the old people. It's not just for the last generation, but the promises of God are for your kids and your kids' kids. God has promises. When I say that, I think there's people that think, oh, he's talking about that candy-coated Christianity I saw on YouTube. Can we just establish something? There are a lot of morons in our culture that are influencers. Get your kids a flip phone, somebody. Because you got guys, you guys someone that they can't, no, I'll just, <clears throat> Lord, help me. Listen, that's, it's that candy-coated Christianity that only believes in promises. Do you even believe in the gospel? 
Let me explain something to you. The promises of God are yes and amen. When God says something, it is established forever. And even in the story I'm talking about, God made a promise to Abraham that there is a land for you. But that didn't mean that there was no difficulty. There was a process to get to the promise. The process for them looked like 400 years of slavery. That doesn't sound like candy-coated religion. It sounds like difficult process. But the truth is the promise of God remains. And I'm telling somebody, when God says who the sun sets free, he is free indeed. He means it. So if you've got addictions in your life, you can be freed from those addictions. If your marriage is on the rocks, you can have a rest restored marriage. If your life needs a renewal, God can do it. Doesn't mean things are perfect. It may be difficult. You may go through years of hardship. But if God said it, You can take it to the bank. The bones of Joseph don't just say that the promises of God are for every generation. The bones of Joseph also tell us that we cannot stay here. There was something in Joseph that said, I I want to go beyond where I am today. I want to dig deeper. I want to go farther. I can't just stay in Egypt. In fact, if, if if Joseph had been buried in Egypt, somebody would have said he must have belonged in Egypt. Joseph was concerned that future generations would say, oh yeah, Egypt is what made him great. And Joseph is saying, don't you get it wrong. We cannot stay here. It it wasn't Egypt that had been good to Joseph. Joseph became the prime minister of all Egypt. He got a ton of wealth. He was able to give his people a, a a choice piece of land. Like he was able to bless them all. But Joseph wanted everyone to know it was not Egypt that made me great. It was God that blessed Egypt through me. And we're not staying just in the blessing. We're moving beyond to the God of the blessing. Here's the deal. If you're not careful, you will miss a sign where the blessing comes from in your life. You'll think it was that job that was a blessing. You'll think it was that aunt that gave you a car that was a blessing. It wasn't any of that. If you're not careful, what will happen is you'll build a business, you'll dig roots, and you'll build a business with your whole life, a legacy business, and when you hand it off to your kids, if you're not careful, your kids will think the business was the blessing. If you're not careful, you'll forget to tell your kids it never was the business that was a blessing. It was God that blessed us through a business so that we could bless other people. Like, if you're not careful, you'll forget to add in the part about all the late nights of prayer, all the the times going to the Lord, asking him to help you with decisions, all the times digging deep roots of faith. That's the part you pass on to the next generation. Because when they recognize that it was God that blessed the family, come on, somebody. It was the prayer, it was the faith, it was standing on the word of God, it wasn't the business. This is what we do in the church. 
this is exactly what we do in the church. We don't realize that, like, we're not supposed to stay here. We're supposed to move on. You ever ask yourself, why are there so many denominations? You want to know why there's so many denominations? It's really simple. It's this principle. Like Martin Luther reveals this great truth. They puts the thesis on the walls, this amazing thing with Martin Luther. That's amazing. But what happens is we build a, a monument to Martin Luther and call it Lutherism, Lutheranism. Then John Calvin comes on the scene and takes it further. And we're like, this is amazing. Like we're, we're understanding so much more about God. Let's build a big monument called Calvinism. And then we start understanding, uh, you know, uh, baptism, the need for baptism. We build this big monument called baptism and getting away from infant baptism. Or John Wesley comes on the scene and talks about this vibrant walk with God and how he transforms us. And so we build this big monument we call a Methodism. I'm telling somebody like, like, like it even extends today. Like the 19, 1901 revival in America and earlier, it actually happened earlier in Britain in the 1800s, the late 1800s. But there's this amazing revival that happens and God pours out his spirit in Topeka, Kansas, and in Texas, and then over in, uh, in, in California, in the L.A. area, this amazing revival that, that was just powerful revival. And, and you know what we do? We build a monument, and we call it Pentecostalism. And then in the 40s and 50s, God starts pouring out his spirit into denominational churches, and we see this amazing revival of his spirit again, and we call it the Charismatic Movement. And what I'm saying is God doesn't want you to stop here. He wants you to keep moving. Because if you're not careful, God will do something in your life and you'll leave it there. God will, God will deliver you from alcoholism and you'll be like, that is the extent of my walk with God. I, I was, that's for 20 years, I, I was delivered from alcohol and never took a step further. Like you can have an incredible encounter with God in a basement prayer meeting somewhere but don't just leave it there because for the next 15 years, you're not supposed to only talk about the great prayer meeting you were a part of. You're supposed to move forward. So don't, Joseph's bones say, ah, God did amazing things. God blessed us. He saved the entire world from famine through us. But we're not stopping here. This is what the tithe is, like the, the idea of tithe in the Old Testament. They would bring like an animal, to, the first fruits of the animals, and they'd bring it to the temple, and, and, and they would kill the, kill the animal and sacrifice and all this stuff. And the point of the tithe is someone saying like, family, it, it's not like my great ability to manage a farm that is blessing us. It is God that is blessing us. It's not my great ability to manage money that is blessing us. It's God that blesses us. This is why we don't pay tithes. We return tithes. Like he's saying this is, it's God. Like God is, because at one point I was just like, I was this sinner, this wretched person that couldn't get my stuff together and, and, and I was trying my best to be a better person and I couldn't get it together and I was full of shame and had addiction in my life. But at one point, I encountered God and when I encountered God, he freed me from guilt and shame and took the shackles of addiction off my arms and I was able to walk in spirit and in truth. And so I'm gonna follow him into whatever he's called me to do. I just feel like preaching a little bit. And the third thing is this, is that the bones of Joseph tell us that our lives do not stay buried. What happens in this lifetime 
affects the future. The choices you make today will affect, mom and dad, listen to me. The decisions you make today with those little kids who aren't even in school yet, it will affect their children. Because your life doesn't end in the grave. It extends beyond the grave. What we do in this lifetime, it affects the future. The children of Israel for, for years are circling the wilderness, just, just circling the wilderness, and the whole time they're carrying the bones of someone that died 400 years earlier because they had a promise from God that they would be delivered and they would be fulfilled through the kingdom of God. What you do today, mom and dad, the decisions you make in your household, young person is trying to find the direction for your life, hear me, the decisions you make are heavy. You think it's simple, it's not simple. Finding the will of God and pursuing it. Be careful that you find the will of God and pursue it. There's a story of a guy in the Bible that drives me nuts. There's a lot of them. His name is King Hezekiah. Can I say this? Sometimes we we will find people, I, I believe in divine healing. I'll be the first to say that. But I think sometimes we, we think that, that death means we've lost. Not true. Because Hezekiah was about to die, and he prays for additional years, and he lives for 15 more years, and their 15 years I wish wasn't in the Bible. Hezekiah has this sickness. He's going to die, and, and the, the people come to him, and they're like, there's no use even taking the ibuprofen. Like, you're done. And the Bible tells us that Hezekiah gets on his knees before God and just begins to pray. Like, he was a good king. He begins to pray and to weep and get a hold of God. And the Lord hears his prayer and grants him life. And Hezekiah gets up, and he goes about his life, and he's healthy again. He's strong again. And during this season, there is a new nation that is building an empire. This nation is called Babylon. Anybody ever heard of Babylon? Babylonia. And this nation is, is actually taking over a previous nation that was called Assyria. Anybody see uh, 300? You saw 300? That's King Xerxes. He actually conquered uh, Israel. He conquered the northern tribes. You can read about him in Bible. But Babylon is taking over Assyria. And as Babylon is taking over the world, they send emissaries, they send leaders to Hezekiah because they, they want to test him out and see how, where he is. And what he should have done was shown, him, shown them the temple of God and shown them how incredible the God of Israel was. But instead of doing that, what he does is he takes these emissaries and he walks into the, the palace and he shows them all the nice things in his palace, all the great things he'd done in his life. He shows them the, the bathroom that they don't even let the kids use. Like he's, he's showing them the nice 
Tupperware and like all the, he's showing them all the amazing stuff, but he doesn't show them the power of the living God. And the scripture says that Isaiah the prophet comes to Hezekiah and, he, and Hezekiah says, hey, these people came and I showed them everything. And Hezekiah said, you shouldn't have done that. You should have shown them the greatness of God. And because you didn't show them the greatness of God and you only showed them how nice your crib was, they're going to overthrow you. Here's Hezekiah's response. 2 Kings 20 verse 19 says, Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, Why not if there will be peace and security in my days? Mom and dad, young person, There are some things that you have to deal with in your life that you cannot leave for a future generation to deal with. I'm saying, husband, you need to deal with pornography and get it settled with because you don't realize you're leaving something lingering in the house that your kids are going to have to fight that battle if you don't settle that battle once and for all. I'm 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 saying, come on, people! Like, you, there's got to be some people that say, no, we're not going to be the kind of home that's on the outskirts of faith. We're not going to be the kind of people that are kind of in and out and in and out. I'm going to settle some things in my life because one day I'm going to have kids, and those kids are going to live for God. I, I'm saying maybe there's some young men that say, no, I'm just going to settle some things. I, my 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 generations have been full of people who struggle with alcoholism or maybe addictions. I'm saying there could be somebody in this house that says that needs to be settled once and for all. Hezekiah says, no, we can just leave it for a future generation. Let them deal with the shame. Let them deal with all the abuse in the background. And I'm saying maybe some men and women could step up and say, no more. Let's just deal with this thing. Let's leave a clean slate for a future generation. Let's get rid of the shame and the abuse and the guilt and the alcoholism and the drugs. Like, let's just get right with God. Set people up for a future and a hope in the Lord. Because the truth really is that the battles you don't face, your children will face. And there was Hezekiah who decided, I just won't fight because I've got it good now. And on the other side, was King David, who did so much for the kingdom of God that when he wants to build a temple, the Lord says, you can't build a temple because you fought too much and your hands are too bloody. And he may not have been able to build his heart's desire, the temple of God, but because he settled some things, because he dealt with some things, his son Solomon built the temple. The band will come on up. I'm just, I'm just wondering if there's some people that are willing to say, my kids won't be captive by the things that I've struggled with all my life. 
my kids will not deal with those insecurities that I've been, I was raised with. I, I'm not going there. Maybe somebody could say, like, that, that root of bitterness that just is in my family. Like, we all just have reasons to be offended all the time. Maybe somebody says, no, it ends now. I choose to be unoffendable. And I'm going to raise my kids to be unoffendable. Guys, this building that you're in is a miracle. I'm saying it's a miracle on the level of somebody receiving their sight. And I'm saying God's not done. So maybe there's somebody today it's time for you to settle some things. My generations aren't going to be struggling with depression anymore. We're not going to struggle with those addictions any longer. Maybe, some, maybe somebody, you just need to settle the spirit of suicide in your house. Get that done. So your kids don't have to fight that thing. Alcoholism, poverty, casual faith. I wonder if there's some men and some women say no. Bones of Joseph, they told a future generation that you'll get out of this. You'll move beyond this. You'll move beyond this. Maybe for you, dropping out of college, it ends today in your family. not attending church unless you feel like it ends today in your family no ministers in my family nobody in my family serves the Lord and by serving other people end that today because God has a hope and a future and a plan for your life at the end of the day guys at the end of the day what we're doing here is not about this building it's not. God blessed you with the building. It's not about the building. What it's about is that one day, everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, there will come a day when a trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ will rise out of the grave to meet him in the air. And those which are alive and remain will join him. And as we turn towards him and as he calls his children back home with him, I don't know about you, but here's what I want to say. Leave my, don't leave my bones here. Take my bones with me because my life isn't about a building. My life's not about a bank account. My life's not about the car I drive. My life is about a builder and maker whose name is God. Would you stand with me all across the room? I wonder if there's somebody, you're just ready to settle some things. You're ready to end some things in your family. You, you may say it like this. You may say, my family's cursed. You may say it like this. It's a generational thing in my family. And I'm telling you right now, maybe some moms and dads, maybe some young people can say no more. 
this is not where I belong. This is not my home. So if you're ready to, to break some addiction, some bondage, whatever, whatever it was, if, if while I was speaking, you felt like God wanted to, God wanted to break some things for a future generation. If that's you, let me see your hands. Come on, bold. There we go. We got bold people here. We're not timid. We're not timid. Come on. We got strong people. Come on. Good. All across the room. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna pray. I want you to keep your hand up. And I just want you to declare to the Lord that it that it's gonna be broken, that you're open to that right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every other name, the name in which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, we declare healing and victory in this house. Shame be gone. Addiction be gone. Satan, you have no hold in our households. You have no foothold. Strongholds be broken in the name of of Jesus and I release freedom in the Holy Ghost right now freedom and peace in our houses and in our minds and in our church home right now in Jesus name deliverance and strength in Jesus name I wonder if there's anybody you just uh I was talking about what God did in the past, he'll do in the future. You, you're thinking like, are you saying that God will heal me? You need that. You need a healing in your body. It's COVID still. We're still trying to be as gentle as we can with the COVID thing, so understand. But if you need a healing in your body, you need God to do a miracle in your life. Put your hand up. Come on. You're not alone. You see that, right? You're not alone. Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. So right now I'm going to pray for you. The blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin will heal. Right now in the name of Jesus Christ we declare healing in these bodies strength again to these bodies. Lord, touch these minds. I see some minds that are represented right here, some, some mental health. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, strengthen those minds right now. We trust in you alone, Jesus. Trust in you alone. Healing. Let your healing virtue flow. So good. So good. say maybe today as I was talking you thought you felt like God like you really wanted to be close to God like you felt like I want that I want to be close to God and at the same time that you felt that you also felt I feel very bad or, or I feel very far from him you want to be close to him but you also feel like you're not allowed to be close to him. What's going on there is the Spirit of God is drawing you. That's the desire you're feeling. But the sin in your life, the, the things that have separated you from God, are, are hitting your conscience and telling you, you don't deserve to be close to God. And right now, we can settle that thing. 
It's as easy as confessing that Jesus is Lord. And when you do that, you'll be good with God. Is there anybody? Eyes are open. I'm just looking for some bold people. If you're willing to say, I feel that. I feel a drawing to come close to God, but I feel far from him. And I want to change that right now. If that's you, come on. There we go. There we go. Come on. Good. Good. Here we go. Here we go. It's really simple. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and believe. Repent means we're going to turn away from the way we used to do things that we knew didn't please God. More importantly, we're going to turn away from the way we used to think that we knew didn't please God. And we're going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to cleanse you from all your sin, and he's going to put you in a relationship with God. You ready? All right, pray this with me. Something like this, you can make it your own words. And if you didn't raise your hands, but you want to re-up, just join me. God, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm turning away from the things in my life that I know do not please you. Especially the way I thought that I know didn't please you. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and hope in Jesus. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow you every day that I live. just made the best decision of your life. Come on, come on. Best choice you could have made all year was just now. Just now. Listen up. We don't want you to just make that decision and just go on like nothing has actually changed. The truth is this. Never underestimate the power of a decision and never underestimate the power of following up on a decision. So around here, we do groups, we do uh, following Jesus, we do a lot of story of God. You need to get plugged in. You need to get around other believers that will help you grow. And I promise you, your faith life is going to flourish. God bless you, church. Let's seal this word with some worship, and then let's go have a good day. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.